Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Ultimate Podcast. With me as always, my trusty co-host, Mitch Kurtz. Um, welcome back, Mitch, for the 30th time um, that we've been doing this. I don't know what number we're up to, actually. Um, and we are absolutely thrilled today to have, um, from the compassionate access market, perhaps you might say, um, but we have Karen Burge from the Church of Ubuntu. Karen, welcome. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you, Mitch. It's lovely to be here. Our pleasure. Um, oh, it's lovely to have you. Yeah, yeah, thank you for inviting me. I'm really well. excited. <laughs> oh, so are we. There's, there's so much, you know, we've placed on this, um, this podcast and, and as I was saying to Andrew earlier, it's always good to get a little bit of uh, background from some of the people that have been around it a little bit longer than potentially even the entire, some of the market's been around, if, if you know what I mean. So it's, uh, we're really excited to chat with you today and maybe we'll just kick straight off by getting a little bit of your background and how you came to be where you are as a vice president at uh, Church, of, Church of Ubuntu. Ubuntu, yes. Okay, so um, uh, my housemate, BJ, he's the president of the Church of Ubuntu and we were just, um, he started experimenting with the hemp cannabis hemp plant and getting good results um, making oil and um, we were, just had a discussion about the possibility of starting a church and we seek so we seeked legal advice and we got the support of a um, legal team that assisted us to set up the church and that was approximately six years ago so for me personally my dad fell off a ladder when he was 32 and he's always he's been suffering ever since with with horrific pain and and sleepless nights. And as soon as I found out that cannabis was beneficial for pain relief, I wanted my dad to get it. I wanted him to have access. And I, I just had the vision of him growing it in his backyard, knowing that that would be affordable for him and for everyone in Australia suffering from pain. And then um, I witnessed a little boy, little Oscar. He was uh, three at the time and he... He was having 1,500 seizures one day. His mum tried him on a, a couple of drops of oil. I think it was only about five drops of oil. And then the next day he had five seizures. So he went from 1,500 seizures one day to five the next. And I was just watching his little body going to seizure. And when the children seize, it's sort of like this, It's they put out this most horrific cry and it's just like terror. The sound of terror is in their voice because it's uncontrollable and they, they don't know what's happening and these involuntary movements and the fear in their eyes. And um, so watching little Oscar go from 1,500 seizures one day to five the next was was when I really put my hand up and because I felt that he didn't have a voice. These children that are having seizures don't have a voice. They're mm -hmm. nonverbal, a lot of them. And it's just horrific to watch. And when you know that there's a plant that can give them mm. better quality of life and reduce, reduce the seizures, it was just a no-brainer. So I was, uh, plus I was witness, we were all starting to get a few other people in the community for cancer and for epilepsy and um, mm. autism, um, Parkinson's, MS, autoimmune. I had severe a really bad autoimmune condition. I had chronic fatigue, a, a condition called Graves' disease. I struggled to get out of bed. I was had lived with obesity all my life. 
So I was starting to get the benefit, see the benefits for myself using it when I started to consume the plant as food. And I could see it was benefiting me for the nutritional, medicinal um, benefits. But now that I've achieved and maintained my optimum, my, a good health, it's about prevention for me now. So I continue to consume it for that. So I was just which, witnessing everyone have better quality of life. Um, but I feel in a way I became a bit frantic because I, I could see all these beautiful people having better quality of life. I started to do my research. I saw that there was no recorded deaths ever with when people consume cannabis as food and medicine. And um, I felt really upset and angry that the rest of Australia was missing out. So I've been pretty much a, a very um, prominent activist for cannabis and hemp, affordable access, I believe, the best way to get affordable access for cannabis is homegrown. That would be our first choice. And then, um, yeah, it's just been an amazing ride the last five or six years. It's probably six. I think it's over six now. Um, and, yeah, and since then there was probably about five of us that were together that day when we first started all those years ago. I think it was about six years now. And in that time, in that last six years, we've helped tens of thousands of people. Mm. And um, once they get their dosage right, they all have better quality of life. That's quite amazing. It's um, yeah, we yeah. certainly had heard about you um, long before getting this opportunity to speak, and and about your work um, just through different contacts in the cannabis community in Australia. So um, it really is quite exciting, and um, I suppose. Historically, uh, I'm just interested, how long has the church's work been going on? Because we've only had, um, if I'm marrying up the timelines here, we've only had sort of legal access in the last, say, four or five years. So uh, have you, you guys seem like you've been doing this a lot longer than that? Yes, we have. Um, yeah, probably about since we first started experimenting, eight, nine years. Yeah, yeah wow. That's really yeah. yeah, quite impressive. And and the is the mission of the church, you might have touched on it, but is it really just to provide, yeah, affordable um, access to um, cannabis for a range of different reasons? So medicinal or nutritional, is that really the angle yeah. you guys? Yes, absolutely. Uh, we believe that um, consuming cannabis um I consume cannabis daily for the nutritional, medicinal and disease prevention benefits. Um, I see that all of our clients get the same benefits and it's nutritional. Um, people aren't even talking about the nutritional value of it. I know cannabis can be, some people think that cannabis is a quick fix, but we um, base our, we basically um, have some dietary guidelines because we believe that our health is our biggest asset it's easier to try and prevent disease than treat it. And basically, if you're wanting to slow down and stop and re possibly reverse the effects of disease and aging, the best way to do that is to reduce the toxins you're putting in and on your body. So everyone that comes through to the clinic has a discussion with a consultation about ways that they can take their health back into their own hands and, um, and really start slowing down, reversing the effects of disease it's happened for me and I've witnessed it for thousands of others too. Mm. It's, in, it's, it's so amazing. And it's, it's quite um, interesting sometimes when I, uh, you know, express to people that 
have a you know an alternative medicine podcast we're interviewing all these really interesting people they say you know well you know you don't like western medicine or you don't like um and i sort of say to them like at the end of the day eating fresh you know produce that there's just clearly things which we are not doing enough of that you know would take our health back into our hands a lot more than um than people care to admit um i, I would love I would love yeah. to hear a little bit about that process of um, the, the nutrition side or, or how you do, in fact, eat um, medicinal hemp. Okay. So I, um, well, I make, um, I was lucky enough to get some fresh hemp. So uh, I started putting, putting it in my smoothies and it was a game changer. So I'm in the process now of working at, trying to work with the DPI to change the law in regards to hemp for food for humans. Um, Dr. Andrew Catalaris was lobbying for many years to change the law around consuming hemp seeds. So mm -hmm. up until about, I think it was 2016, hemp seeds were illegal to consume as food in New South Wales, in Australia and New Zealand, but you could consume it everywhere else in the world. So uh, from my understanding and my research, um, hemp in particular uh, is one of the most nutrient-rich food sources currently known to man. So everyone that comes into our clinic is recommended to consume hemp seeds. Um, hemp seeds are packed with vitamins and minerals. They've got 30% protein. They are, they're great for a... Um, so we recommend people make smoothies out of them. I teach people how to make a hemp seed smoothie. It's just basically two tablespoons of hemp seeds and three quarters of a cup of water blended make hemp milk. So wow. for any vegetarians, that's your hemp milk. You can put it on any meal. Um, but once you've got your milk, your white fluffy milk, you stop your blender and then you add your other fruits and, and things and blend it again. And um, honestly, it's one of the most nutrient-rich meals you could have. I was When I was lucky enough to put the um, hemp, the industrial hemp flour into my smoothies, I really noticed another dramatic increase in my health, my vitality, and people started stopping me in the street saying, what are you doing? Um, yeah. And it was just because I was lucky enough to get some access to this plant. So, again, um, as soon as I started to see the benefits of, of cannabis and of hemp, uh, cannabis, I wanted everyone to have it, but as soon as I started eating it, it was a game. It was another game changer. It was gone. This, everyone deserves affordable access to this plant. That has no recorded deaths ever in history. What, believed to be one of the most nutrient-rich food sources known to man, and it's currently being withheld from us. So well, it, yeah, it is a food, and even it's, yeah. there's a lot of access barriers with medicine. But I, I find it so astonishing. I'm sorry, we're going to be in sort of furious agreement this whole way through. I imagine, but like it's packed with antioxidants minerals yes. fiber unsaturated fats essential amino acids omega-3 6 it is just yeah, omega-3 and 6 oh. are the, are the two yeah. that i like <laughs> yeah like yeah. I've, I've started just sprinkling uh hemp seeds on uh, you know almost everything in the kitchen um but yeah. it's yeah it's no, it is really a game changer. So when somebody comes to the church, I should have asked before, is there, are there any, um, is, is it is that church by name but not by nature or, I mean, any um, religious affiliation there? Well, I'm, I'm, I was a spiritual teacher before cannabis, mm -hmm. uh, but it was mainly multi-faith 
um, I worked in a spiritual school and, and just, um, yeah, became a, a mentor. And so I, I think a little bit of that work is, is comes out now, particularly now with the shutdown. I feel I'm going back into that, you know, guiding people to, you know, take care of themselves and, um, you know, be the best version of ourselves and then support our community. So it's very much about um, community. And um, so anyone, anyone that comes through, they fill out an intake form on our website and then it goes through to triage and then it's put in with a consultant. So we've basically got guidelines written for every condition and then they'll have a phone conversation with one of our consultants and they'll adjust the um, program to suit each individual person. But it's definitely about um, consuming cannabis and hemp, but also there's a, a body's operating system called the endocannabinoid system. So I encourage everyone to have a look at the five-part endocannabinoid system um, on YouTube. Um, and the endocannabinoid system is, they say it's like our, the mothership of our well-being. It governs our immune system, our endocrine system, our metabolism, our cardiovascular system. And it's believed to, it's, its purpose, from my understanding of consuming cannabis and hemp, and particularly fresh, fresh would be the best if we're all consuming it fresh um it would its purpose is to um achieve and maintain homeostasis so that's perfect equilibrium yeah. with our body mind and spirit mm. so and it's and and you find if you have too much people sometimes feel a bit sick sick it's called herxing because your body's just detoxing because it's trying to balance what's out of balance that's yeah, probably right. the best way of describing right. it. That's why I believe everyone, so, we've all got an endocannabinoid system, every human, every animal. Mm -hmm. um, and I believe that's why I believe every single person in Australia and the world would have better quality of life by consuming cannabis as food, particularly in its fresh form. And because um, it's non-psychoactive too, it's just packed with the vitamins and nutrients that we've already spoken about. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. And so how does that, how does that dosing regimen work? How, how do you guys figure out um, or decide on the dosing for, for each of the people that come to the Church of Ubuntu? Well, the majority of our clients are over 70, 60, 70s. So basically we start off on a minimal dose, just one drop the first day, two drops the next day, three drops the next day, and they work it out themselves. Mm. So many of, yeah, huge percentage of our um clients are seniors that live alone and they've they work it out they get their dosage one lady in particular she was at um gosford and she had her oil and the nurse said you're not allowed to have that here and she said yes i am and she said no you're not and then this nurse rang the police on this lady so the police went to the lady's door and she said um and she said you're not taking me oil oh she said you can take me wheelchair because i don't need that anymore she said, but even though I was told I'd be in a wheelchair for the rest of my life. Yeah, she's got a, a testimony on our website. So she was told she'd be in a wheelchair for the rest of her life. And um, and she's not anymore. And so she, when the police came, she said, you can take my wheelchair, but you're not taking my oil. And they said, no, we're not going to take your oil. So, yeah, Look, just testimony. You know, the testimonies are amazing. Hearing the stories every day, we're getting beautiful stories about people that have had just better quality of life and and it's also not just 
um, wonderful to watch for the individuals, but it's also good for the family. You know, families are the people that have been watching a loved one suffer from watching a loved one suffer to have better quality of life. That's a beautiful thing too that that's lovely to witness. Well, I'm, I'm, if I can, um, you know, protecting, of course, the anonymity of, of people who have um, been assisted by the church, but I'm really interested to maybe drill down on just a couple of examples of, you mentioned Oscar, little Oscar before, um, which was honestly an amazing um, anecdote to hear 1500 down to five um, in a day, but are there any, um, yeah, any particular stories that stand out for you over the journey with the church? Uh, One little boy in particular, another child, he was four and um, a lot of people will probably know this story, I won't mention his name, but he was um, he was able to hold his head, smile, laugh, and wave, and be conscious of his family and surroundings at the age of four for the first time. Wow. So that was um, yeah, that was a very well known story. Um, unfortunately, through other situ- you know other things that happened, that child was removed from his parents and his parents' care. He's back with his parents now, but he hasn't been seen smiling since um, he was taken because he's been put, taken off his medicine, off mm. the cannabis. But, yeah, at the age of four, he was smiling, laughing, waving, holding his head up. It was amazing watching him. They were staying with us. And I remember walking towards him in the park and he was walking towards me with his family and he was moving his head and watching his sisters run around the field and and. I said, wow, how long has that happened? And the mum and dad said, that's only just started. So he was basically in a comatized vegetable state from a drug-induced comatized vegetable state. His parents were told that there was nothing more that they could do to prepare his funeral, and they just thought, well, let's try a diet first. So they tried diet, hemp seeds, starting to get started to get good results, and then they tried the oil, um, and they got even better results. So... Yeah, he's still doing okay, but it would be better if you know if all if this little fella, if Chase and all of his all children with intractable epilepsy had affordable access to this plant because it definitely works. I've seen it all over the world. Um, who are uh, what else have we got? Heaps. Just oh, one one. You know, I've even got a massage oil in, for example, and one fellow had neuropathic pain up his neck, and he put massage oil on there once, and he six seven months later every now and then I run into him and he said I've still that pain has still not come back and he's had it had it for years um yeah just um what else so many so many there's there's been a lot of um childhood epilepsy from some of the the research I was doing so um but yeah other illness so I imagine people sleep disorders anxiety uh, yeah Anxiety, getting great results with anxiety, you know, and it's very, very common, even so, more so now. Um, yeah, really good results of CBD and anxiety. Uh, sleep is very easy to fix. There's lots of different um, variety. Sometimes people aren't sleeping from pain. So once you get the pain under, you know, managed, then they're able to sleep. Um, yeah. But, yeah, we had one police officer, an exec, for example, and I love, you know, I love the the, the police, I believe the police and all the emergency workers um, definitely need this plant, you know, for post-traumatic stress because uh, this fellow, this officer came to me and said um, he was an, an ex-police officer 
and he had not slept for 18 years um, and just from, you know, the traumas that he'd witnessed in, in the job. Um, but one of the most beautiful things that he said to me was, my family like me again. And I mm. just I just felt that was just so beautiful. I had te- brought tears to my eyes because I know, like, you know, when, you, when you've got post-traumatic stress, when you, you, you know, imagine police officers, emergency workers, that trauma of being able to cope with the situations that they witness, the most horrific situations, they've got no way of dealing with it really it's it would be playing over in your head like anyone that sees a trauma or um, someone suffering it's hard to get that out of your head but PTSD we've got a lot of vets that get good results for PTSD but for police and emergency workers I think it's a no-brainer yeah so just to help them yeah deal with the trauma and it's, it's not widely reported enough, but I, I do have a, um, a contact who works in emergency services and yeah, a young police officer actually took their life uh, last week in, in Victoria and it, it just totally not reported in the near, but you're, you're totally, you're right. It's, um, you know, uh, yeah. just that takes its toll. Um, each yes. incident that they have to be first responders to it's, um, it, it's how could it not take a toll? So no, that's, I'm really glad to actually hear that there are members of law enforcement who are open to these things because I know there's a bit of a narrative that um, we can sometimes think of that, you know, all police are, are against, um, you know, cannabis for medicinal or, or nutritional or other uses. Um, but it's clearly not the case. Um, how uh, <laughs> we were speaking briefly before, but the, the I guess interactions that you've had do you know people who have you know had to deal with police on the other side where you know the police have taken a disliking to activities of anyone in the church or or people getting assistance from the church or anything like that no I know other individuals that have been you know that have been caught growing their own medicine and that that have been um that have found you know, got themselves in trouble with the law and we always support them. Um, of course, you know, the, the big things around the drug driving, you know, people are having um, cannabis to help them sleep at night, but they're not affected the next morning. Um, we've had only a couple of those situations um, when people have had it come up in their, in their roadside drug test um, mm. again, but they've, they've fought that in court and they've won. So yeah um that's pretty that's happened dr andrew catalaris he he was told that he wasn't to administer cannabis to anyone but he chose to administer minister it to a child on national tv because he wanted to um he wanted to fight this in court because he believed that there was that was the only way we we're going to get anywhere because the politicians just weren't listening any weren't listening to us Mm. weren't believing that you know they're just going too slow this plant is as cheap to grow as parsley every single Australian deserves immediate affordable access and so um he ended up in court in jail for uh, 22 weeks but went on to prove after defending himself for four weeks in court that cannabis is a medical necessity for children with intractable epilepsy Mm. so that was really a good win out of that anyone that sort of has any challenges I think MCUA um, they have some cases, but we always offer a lot of court support and support people through the court process. And most of the time there's, there's compassionate judges that realise that they're just helping themselves or, 
or loved ones and they're pretty lenient which is yeah good. yeah no they're, they're most certainly uh that, that in most of the cases that i've heard it's really um you know uh, i don't speak of course for the entire legal profession which i did sometimes but um no the there is a lot of um a lot of compassion i think from judges uh you know magistrates yeah. they yeah, a lot of them just find this to be just a giant waste of time. And, and I really hope that in the years ahead that, you know, that kind of court support will just be a thing of the past um, if we can actually evolve our system to, to, you know, have a proper design purpose that looks after people rather than punish them. Um, yes. But, yeah, moving to... Um, um, I have an interesting one, actually. I know that um, you know there's there's a bit of a, a difference between, say the, the the green and white markets as they they call them sometimes. Um, the one thing I want to ask you about is is the other side. Sometimes you know we're obviously all in the industry because we're uh, enamored with this plant and the amazing things it does. But do you ever find um, sometimes it it it's not always the right fit for someone just to round out the the discussion? I, I know we've had. Um, Nick Morley, for example, on here from, from the green market talking about, you know, it's it's extremely rewarding at, at times, but there are some times where people do get their hopes up in potentially more terminal situations and it can take quite an emotional toll on the people involved, especially providers of care. Um, yes. Be very keen to get your thoughts just on that particular topic. I know it's a bit more controversial, but it's, but it's interesting for people that are out there searching, I think. Yeah, I think... Um... You know, for me, I, I, I strongly believe, um, like anyone that comes to us and says, I've got this condition, I've that condition, I've got these, you know, these ailments, these, you know, this problem, I'm going to go and get all these tests. And I encourage them, go and do your tests, but start right now. Start right now, slowing down, reducing the toxins you're putting in and on your body. Just have go on a plant-based diet and things like that because there is, um, yeah, there is, to slow that down, but that I've witnessed over the years, there's there've been many in our community that that you try and fight so hard to save, and you know, like I've had people, especially children, you know, I've had people say they're not going to make it because you're going to have to get accept that that's going to happen, and even though we just keep hoping and hoping and hoping that we can save them, yeah, there's so many factors involved, and not we can't save everybody and our main priority is to make sure if we've made sure that they've had better quality of life and that that brings us peace and that's an, enough sometimes because like yeah it, we can't sometimes it's too late when they get to us sometimes they've tried all of other exhausted all other options and then they come and say can I have cannabis now and we're going wow we should have they should be getting that option first and we definitely um, things would change for sure. We definitely save more people if we're getting if cannabis was our first point of um, first option. Yeah. And, yeah, and I definitely think given the low risk profile, especially of CBD, um, it, that's that's a very valid point. I mean, we see this being sold over the counter in Europe. We see it being sold over the counter in America and North America. Canada and um, now pretty much most parts of, of the developed world. So, so I echo that sentiment in terms of early if you can. Um, yeah. But um, 
no, it's it's very it's very interesting to hear that because yeah, it, it is a quite an emotional um, space for a lot of people and a lot of people that are kind of desperate and it's unfortunate that that more people don't know about it in Australia and we still have to go through this you know very complex education piece, which is part of the reason we're here and um, yes. part of the reason we're enjoying talking I, I to can, um, people like yourself. I, so I, I'm curious to know just on the um, the compassionate access side, do you keep um, do you keep an eye on developments in the quote unquote um, legal side, the special access scheme that, that um, you know, quite a few people might now have used? I know they release figures of all of the approvals that, um, that the TGA has processed, but do you keep an eye on developments on that side or is it something that um, doesn't really interest you? Well, we, we do have a, a big team here. So there is members of our team that are keeping an eye on that and always um, studying and and our consultants do also their own individual study on, on each individual client, particularly if it's come through a little bit different to someone that they've, they've supported before. Um, so definitely we do keep our eye on it. We've also... Um, you know, I keep my eye on MCUA, which is also a good on Facebook that has also lots of um, that shares a lot of that information. So we do keep our eye on it, but we sort of, you know, basically feel out we're a little bit different because we firstly consume cannabis as food for the nutritional benefits and the medicinal benefits. Does that yeah. answer your question? Yeah, no, it does. It's it's one of the um, I suppose the one of the things is. Um, pricing as well which is yeah I, I was actually speaking to someone today and um they've been accessing it through a, a pain clinic legally and everything like that but um you know just the variable nature of price i think when they started it was nearly 500 dollars a month which um is just you know an insane amount of money for for medicine and then that's dropped down bit by bit but do you know is 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 that another reason that, you know, people would sometimes um, you might find somebody um, coming to the church because they just simply can't afford it um, via the, the legal market? Yeah, definitely. And, and they actually have, um, yeah, a lot of doctors give people a script and then tell them to come to us because they, they believe that our, our oils are, are superior, are, are mm. a good quality. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's, no, it's, it's, it's very interesting because I think when you add up for a lot of people, the, the cost of going to the consultation, yes. then the cost of the medication, you know, people, people are up for nearly $1,000 sometimes after the, those two things combined. Yes. So, um, yeah, it is, is very interesting. Um, you know, we, you, you mentioned before that just the cost of, you know, it's as cheap as bar, as parsley to um, yes. <laughs> to cultivate. Um, yes. You know, in the right environment, just in outside. But um, and have you had anyone in in the church that's relocated to um, the ACT where they have sort of you know more generous rules around home grow? No, but I did speak to this beautiful eighty two year old lady one day. So she was she was um, getting an order, um, refilling her order. And she said to me, 
Oh, I'm so excited. She said, I can grow my own cannabis here because I live in Canberra. She said, so I get to grow two plants, one for me and one for my husband. And she was so excited and she's 82 and it was so beautiful to listen to. And I thought, how cool is that? She's, you know, um, really excited. I could picture her in the backyard going around and, you know, cold, you know, nurturing her beautiful cannabis plant because I've been growing them before too. And it's a whole new story when you start to grow it you just have this whole new relationship with the plant um and I was so excited for her and she sounded so excited but then I just again felt sadness that um that she could grow it in they could grow it in Canberra but not everyone else in Australia gets an option like my my parents in Queensland can't grow it and you know other members of our community throughout Australia can't grow it but they can in Canberra so it's a sort of a bit of sweet very exciting to hear it from her it sounded so beautiful and she wasn't even yeah. um it was her grandson that actually said to her nan you need to try this stuff you really need to so she was so excited to tell me that too that her grandson had encouraged her to try cannabis i love hearing that when they mm. say oh yeah, my grandchildren told me to try <laughs> um it's so beautiful it sounds gorgeous and mm. um yeah so yeah so that was really nice to hear that and um and yeah, I think it's it's wonderful, but it's very sad that the rest of Australia doesn't get the same option. Well, I think they will uh, potentially. I mean, the the Commonwealth government has the power to veto the territory laws that permit the home growing the ACT, and they haven't. And I've always considered that politicians are generally motivated by self interest. So I'm just guessing hypothetically that there must be one heck of a grow up at uh, Parliament House, perhaps. Um, yes maybe somewhere near the budget yeah. tree, but, uh, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but, yes. but, um, but no, I do. I hope that, um, yeah, other States look at that and at least um, consider similar legislation. We've just had a, a huge inquiry into the use of cannabis in here in, in Victoria that was led by Fiona Patton. Um, yes. And um, yeah, really um, keen to see what comes from that. She did an amazing job, but whether or not we have um, enough, leadership courage to um to to you know improve current levels of access i suppose remains to be seen but um before we go i'm curious to know what the future looks like for the activities of of the church and um how you see the next sort of um you know few years ahead looking like okay so we'll continue doing what we do because we just we've got you know we're up to um almost about thirteen thousand clocks clients who have helped us for ourselves as our community um, but also I'm passionate and we're very passionate about hemp and um, I believe that we can rebuild the economy with this plant the hemp plant um, firstly for food housing fiber we can even grow our own toilet paper we won't have to worry about you know pews at the supermarket um, so I'm in the process now I actually worked um, was an associate on a hemp farm last year and I've actually got my um, application in now for my hemp license, which is currently going through right now. So I'll be growing hemp and I want to set up the, um, working with a team to set up the infrastructure in the Hunter Valley so that we're totally self-sustainable for hemp for food, um, for housing, and possibly down the track, you know, everything like paper, um, fibre. But at the moment we've got the, um, the community and the infrastructure they're ready to start moving forward to make our whole region, the whole Newcastle Hunter region, self-sustainable in hemp for food. 
and for um and the housing industry so that's it's so really cool. exciting yeah, yeah it's, it's so. a it's a far cry from the um you know the coal uh yes. associations that some people would have with with the hunter region i know there's a whole um you know, change in uh, what people are now seemingly um, voting for in in that region, but it's it's really exciting to to begin to think about a really clean, green future um, for that you know beautiful pocket of Australia. So, yes, um, yeah, we'll yep. be um, very keen to keep an eye on on all the things that um, that the church. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, um, yeah, I'll be back. Yeah, I'll definitely come back on and have an update later. Um, especially at the end of the year or early next year, we should definitely have um, a lot of farms um, happening then, particularly for food. And, uh, as, yes, if it's the biggest hemp, if, it, if Newcastle Harbour is the biggest coal export, I think it has the potential to be the biggest hemp export. Absolutely. And I, I think as well the, um, yeah, it'd be interesting once you get to the end of this, hemp license process just i'm sure there are so many people who would be interested in in looking at that for themselves um you know to really be a part of that community so we yeah we'd love to have a another catch up at some point in the future to talk about the church talk about how the hemp growing is is um is getting on and, and all of that so yeah let's um look at that for maybe sometime later this year or early next absolutely Excellent. Yeah, absolutely. I'll be really excited to fill you in with an up, have given update then. And um, it's so exciting to be a part of it now. The lockdowns and that have sort of made things a little bit harder to get this um, established, but we've got the, the solid groundwork has already been done. We've got a, a really good community. Um, there's also a good community up at Nimbin that are doing the same thing. So we basically work it all out and then it can be mm -hmm. replicated in all regions. Excellent. Okay. That's the plan. Yeah, nice. Yeah. I, I hope there's um, similar we'll definitely happening in Victoria and, yeah, we will yeah. have to um, have to have a, ch a chat, uh, yeah, very soon once um, once the, the farming has begun. But, um, yeah. but, Karen, thank you so much for um, for jumping on this podcast with us. I know we, we've had a bit of lag on Mitch's end, but he's stayed in um, for most of the chat. Um, he's yeah. just been... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, floating so in sidelined myself a little bit. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's been been good, but sideline. um, <laughs> well, all the um, yeah, definitely all the the best wishes with um all of the church's endeavors and and your great work, and we will um look forward to speaking again soon. Yeah, I look forward to that too. Thanks, guys. Thanks so much. Good. Take See care. You, bye. bye.